At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Leah here. You're listening to a special summer rebroadcast of one of our favorite episodes. We'll be back with new episodes this fall, and you can join us every month over the summer with brand new live deeper dives. You can learn more and register at learn.anniefrisbee.com slash lactation business coaching. On to the episode. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Hey there, Leah. Hey there, Annie. How are you today? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm a little nervous about today's topic because we're talking finances and I definitely um, could use some work in this area. I'm sure we all can because it's always a challenge, especially as a small business owner. You know, it's just a lot to think about and hope that we get to share some good wisdom and and things we've learned along the way. But I know we have an awesome sponsor today. You want to tell us about that? We do. I am super excited that today's episode sponsor is Milk Notes. Milk Notes was created by a lactation consultant, IBCLC, just like us. And it is more than just an easy to use charting application. It's a feature rich mobile app that makes it easier for you to manage your lactation practice. Every aspect is encrypted for security and HIPAA compliance. No more confusing charting programs. The Milk Notes templates are simple, lactation-focused, and easily customized to report your client's condition and care. New Milk Notes Pro integrates secure messaging, embedded video care consultations, e-faxing, rental pump tracking, and a fully customized care plan. The Milk Notes patient portal allows your client to start their profile information even before your first visit. After the visit, your client can review their care plan and any custom e-documents you've attached. Milk Notes makes charting easy and affordable so you can focus on who's most important, them. Start your free 30-day trial today. And thank you so much to Milk Notes for sponsoring this episode, which today, as Leah said, is all about finances, financial tips for the lactation consultant who is also a small business owner. And this is, as Leah said, kind of a nerve-wracking topic because money is really personal. And at least I know the way I grew up, I grew up, you don't talk about money, you never talk about money. It's all secret. I remember being a kid and asking my dad, well, how much money do you make? And he would, yes. that's none of your business. And my dad said the same thing. That's so funny. <laughs> so oh, today yeah. though, Leah and I, here we are, and we've got these businesses and we are small business owners. And we're going to share with you some of the things that we've learned on our journey, raise some questions for you to consider about your own business and hopefully start a good conversation that gets us all thinking about how we can support each other as small business owners who are trying to make a living doing work that we love. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we get started, I definitely want to share a marketing tip with you. So I, when I first started out, did these free mini classes. And I think this is a neat way if you're really trying to figure out a way to get in front of people who might refer to you and also prospective clients in the prenatal stage. I used these mini classes. So I did this like 30 minute top 10 tips you need to know before breastfeeding. It was super quick, but it got me in places. I actually did it at several like baby retail stores and um, resale shops. And they loved it because it brought people in their store. And um, it was quick and fun. And it got me in front of a lot of people and also just connected with the community. So I think if you're starting out, um, especially if you're like, ah, business is slow, and I don't know what to do with my time. This is a great way to be using your time because you can be um, talking to people about getting them set up and then doing these little mini classes. And before you know it, business is going to be rolling in. So I hope that marketing tip helps for you guys. I love that. I've done a few of those over the years and I've always been surprised at how far down that echoes where I'll have somebody call me because their friend went to that free class and it was like two years ago. And so you never know how things like that can go. And, and, you know, just the side benefit of establishing relationships with other businesses in your community that are potential referral sources. It's a great tip. Yeah, the retail places have gotten me in with other places. And it's just like, it, it, you know, it's just building that presence in the whole community is so, so valuable when you're really, especially when you're starting out and trying to get your name established in the community as a well-known name. I think this is a great way to do that. So as we get started on talking about finances, I think, you know, we really have to think through what it means to be a small business owner. And if that is your like main gig or do you have a side gig? I think that plays in a lot about how you think about finances too. Because if this is your main gig and you're also the main breadwinner in your family or um, the only breadwinner in your family. I mean, these points can make a big difference on how you even look at your finances to start out with. If this is just your little side hustle to have vacation money, how you look at it is going to be way different than this is the only money coming into your family and you're supporting um, your whole family with this income. So what do you think about that, Annie? How has that changed your perspective? Yeah, I think... um it's a really great place to start because I do think there are a lot of us out there who got into this work because we started out volunteering. We had small children at home um, and we're thinking, Oh, I could like fit this in, you know, after, you know, after school pickup or whatever it is that's happening. And that can start you out on a bit of a short sighted vision of what you're actually doing. And so you may be in a position where your family doesn't need you to be bringing in a significant income at this moment. So that might be your reality. And if it is, I would still challenge you to say, I'm building a business. I'm building a business and you want that business to potentially be able to support you. And so if you're thinking about it like, oh, I just need a little bit of money. What's going to happen is you're going to undervalue the work that you do, 
undercharge for your services, which is damaging to your community. Um, that hurts people who are requiring this income, who that hurts people who need this to be an income. If you say, well, I can afford to go out for a quarter of what my competitor does. And that's great. I'm just happy to have the work. That's really damaging to the rest of us who are trying to pay our bills on what we're doing. And I definitely the more you value what you're doing and think of it like I am building a business, this is my career, it that shows in your professionalism. You know, if it's just a hobby, a little side hustle, that that really makes a difference. So no matter how you approach it, I do really resonate with what you're saying. It's like you should take it serious and you are a small business owner as soon as you registered with your state that's it. You're a business owner. So let's make the most of it. And over time, this might be able to be your main career, but no matter what, it'll be professional and, um, and help support the rest of our community. If we put it out there like that, that's a great point. Totally. And I love what you say about, you know, when we treat it like a business, it's also good for our clients. Um, and I, I really think particularly in supporting our families where one or both parents is returning to work very quickly, I think when we can really understand the value of work as work and as what it does for a family, I think that we're better positioned to be invested in helping those working parents meet their breastfeeding goals after they return to work. Whereas if we're thinking like, oh, breastfeeding is, I do it for love and I'm just helping people. And you might not really be able to hear the person on the other end of the couch saying, I'm devastated that I have to go back to work, but my family needs the income. If that's something that you've made that important to you, you're going to have a lot more empathy and compassion and desire to help your clients who are in those situations. Ooh, I like that. That's a really good point to think about. So talk to me a little bit about um, this thought process of the cost of doing business versus a business expense, because that is definitely something that I think a lot of people don't think through when they're thinking about, okay, what does it mean to be a small business owner? What does it mean to run a business? What is the cost of running a business? Um, Because that comes with cost inherently. But then we also have this other side of like, there's expenses. And so can you talk a little bit to that? I'm, I'm really interesting to hear, interested to hear your perspective. Yeah. A lot of times we think about, you know, being a, a business owner versus being an employee and you kind of might think, oh, well, when I'm an employee, I get paid. I go to work, I get paid. When you're a small business owner, you're like, I have to make all the money and then I get to spend it however I want. And I need to think about like what I'm going to spend it on and I should put it all back in my business. But you have to really think about yourself as a small business owner that you're both the employer and the employee. So as an employee, you need to work for what is a living wage for you. So what... So you're not going to be putting every penny you make at the beginning back into the business. You need to start out by paying yourself your salary. So what maybe you did one consult in your first month and you might say, oh, I did one consult. So I should spend that on um, a conference or whatever. Like I've got now I've got money for a conference. No, you have whatever's left over after you paid yourself. 
So first of all, that's really important. The second thing that you're going to have to pay is you have to pay your taxes. And so everybody's got different tax situation. You, and I would really, and I'm going to say this out of experience and hard won experience of something that I'm very bad at as a small business owner is planning to pay your taxes and assuming you're going to pay that, have to pay them and saving the money throughout the year rather than just hoping you can cover it at when the taxes are due. And that's also really hard because you're like, that's my money. I don't want to keep it. I don't want to set it aside. I want to do stuff with it. Yes. Yes. I hear you. That was such a hard lesson in the beginning because I don't think the first several years, um, we kind of had explosive growth. I had not been in, um, this type of business. Like I had been a contractor before, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same amount that I was getting now. And so the first couple of years, I was kind of like shocked at how much I had to actually pay because you were self-employed. And so when I, um, I was like, whoa, okay, I really need to think this through after I was like, oh, maybe it's a fluke the first year. And then I'm like, oh, second year, like, ouch, that's really hurting. And then third year, I was like, must do something different. And so it was, it was some, took me three times to figure out that like setting that money aside is so, so important or paying ahead if that's, you know, what your CPA has recommended, but it is definitely, um, a hard lesson to learn, but so, so important. And it really helps you recognize what your true kind of income is. You know, you, you, if you were an employee, you would not be seeing these big numbers. And so you get all excited. You're like, Oh, I'm making the cash so much money, but it's like, Oh, chicken, you are not making all that because a whole bunch of that's going to have to go to taxes. And so once you set that aside and I really, it was so helpful to work with, um, a CPA who kind of helped me lay out, like you need to be setting X amount of dollars aside. And so I've really tried to, I actually have it like on an automatic out of my bank account now. So it goes in and then I have an automatic draw into my taxes set aside money. And, um, and that has kept me, kept me honest and, and definitely a lot more relaxed when April 15th comes around and I am like writing that check. I'm like, okay, it's there. Everything's fine. I'm not going to have to sweat through this one, but that is so, so important. And I think we don't realize, especially if you've never been self-employed before, you don't realize like there's some heavy taxes to that. Um, and then you got to think about all the deductions and all these things, but it's definitely so, so important to set that aside. So you're not sweating at the end of the year. And think about it this way. You can take that money that you're setting aside for taxes and you can put it in a savings account, which will have two, do two good things for you. One is you're going to have a much harder time accessing it if you're tempted to do so. And second, you can earn interest on it. So when you're an employee and you're having those deductions taken out of your paycheck, those are just going straight to taxes. You're not, you don't get anything from that. But when it's sitting in a savings account that you're waiting to pay your taxes on, you're earning interest. You may need to pay estimated taxes throughout the year 
And that's something that, as Leah said, a CPA can help you with. And we're going to talk more about that later in the episode because we've got some really concrete tips for how you can get yourself organized and, and who the right professionals are to help you. So I wanted to also talk about this cost of doing business versus business expenses that Leah brought up because they kind of sound like that's the same thing, right? I have a business, I have business expenses. And you really need to be clear in your mind about which expenses are things that help you run your business that are nice to have. And there are certain expenses that if you don't pay those, you don't have a business. So the number one that I hope we all know this is liability insurance. So when you work for, say you work for a hospital, you're covered under the hospital's liability insurance. If you were a volunteer breastfeeding counselor, you were probably covered under insurance through that organization. I hope you were. When you're a small business owner, you are the one that has to provide that liability insurance. And so if you don't have liability insurance, you don't have a business. And the second thing that you need to be super aware is a cost of doing business are the costs associated with any privacy protecting measures you're taking to comply with your uh, country's privacy regulations. So here in the United States, that's HIPAA. So it's going to cost you money to have HIPAA compliant communication system. That is a cost of doing business. You cannot say, I'm just starting out. I just want to use free Gmail. I can't afford that. If you can't afford that, you don't have a business. business. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is definitely something that it's like not an area you can skimp on. There's several things like that, that, that are must haves you have to do. It goes along with like, you're going to need to have equipment. You know, there's some must haves with what's in your bag and that kind of thing. Those aren't necessarily business expenses. You can't do your job. That's going to be a cost of running a business. And then the business expenses come in when you take a doula out to coffee. You didn't have to do that, but it helps your business or you're going to um, pay for, say, a class that's local and you want um, to go to that or, you know, things like that. Those are going to be your business expenses, but there's some non-negotiable that have to happen, like the privacy protection, like the equipment. Um, like in my business, I have an admin and life cannot go on without her. So she is um, she is a cost of doing business because we, we really utilize that service. Um, and so that's much. something, there are going to be times where you're going to, where those kind of business expenses that feel extra then become necessary because your business can't run without them. Right. And so that's, you know, that comes in when you're growing and those are really good problems to have. It's important, you know, to do a regular check-in with your business a few times a year, you know, maybe once a quarter when you're writing out that check for the estimated taxes and say, let me just take a look at everything I'm paying for and make sure that I still want to be paying for all of these things that I'm paying for. And where do I have overlap? And Ooh, Look at that thing I subscribed to. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I did that with, I was doing, we were doing like a big change on our website. And so I was like, oh, I need so many photos. So I signed up for the biggest thing on Shutterstock because I was like, I need all the photos. And oh my gosh, like three months later, I'm like, oh no, I've been paying $150 a month to Shutterstock. And I only used it for that one, like two week period. Um, Yeah. So I have like 
learning my lesson. I put a reminder in my phone, like must take off this, this subscription by this date. So I don't get charged to the next one. And I've done that several times on several different services, uh, that it's so important to remember. I have done that too. And I had a really bad one actually that happened, um, earlier this year. So as part of the research I do for my, uh, paperless business, um, the publishing books, tech training that I do, I sign up for all these different platforms so I can, and I do paid plans with them so I can try them out as a user. And so, which is fine. Like that, that for me is, you know, that's a, there's a business expense there. Um, I pay for the charting platforms when I'm using them in my own private practice. Um, so what happened was I tried last year, I, tr- I went through a bunch of different ones. So I tried two of them last year, spent four months using Jane. I spent about seven or eight months using Charm. Both Jane and Charm have integrated payment processing. So you sign up for the payment processor and then you can take credit cards at the time of booking. Super convenient. Oh, yeah, A lot yeah. of them do that. Um, they were not using integration with Square Up or Stripe, which are or PayPal, which are the three most common payment processors processors that um, are used for online sales. They were using um, Jane was using one called PayFirma or is using one called PayFirma, and Charm uses one called Bluehost. So I signed up for accounts with PayFirma and Bluehost. They told me what the fees were. They told me, you know, here's how to do it. We're going to connect you. Here's what you sign. And I got this whole thing from PayFirma. Well, not from PayFirma, from this other company saying I had to go through PCI compliance. Oh, wow. I wrote to my people at the Jane and I was like, is this a real thing or is this spam? It's asking me all kinds of questions about my business. And they said, well, no, you have to do that because you're, you're processing credit cards. So I went through the whole thing. I did the PCI compliance. It took me like 20 minutes. It was such a pain. Things like, like my physical location, like my closets, like data. (laughs) I'm like, I, I work out of my car. Like like, I don't have, like, this is not like, I just want to be people to put, be able to put their credit card in when they get an appointment. Like you told me I could do, but I did the whole thing. I did it as best I could. It said I passed the PCI compliance. Congratulations. Thank you. It was <laughs> quite an accomplishment. So that was with Jane. And then I switched to Charm and I signed up for the Bluehost. And they, um, I got a thing in October saying, All right, you have to re-register for PCI compliance. So I was like, okay, now, now I know what this is. I'm just going to do it. Went through the whole thing, got the email. Congratulations, you're registered. So then... Early a couple months ago, I was trying to like deal with my bank account, my business bank account. I didn't like the bank I was with. I wanted to switch to a new bank account. I was like emptying out that account. So it had no money in it. And all of a sudden I got hit with all these overdraft fees. And Uh-oh. they were they were big. And I was like, I haven't, I have no, like I have nothing coming in. And so I got my statements. I looked on the statements and it's like these fees for like MTOT. And like, what? it was like, and it was just like business or what, like, like transaction. I was like, what is this? I call my bank. They're like, well, you, you, you bought something. That's a subscription. I'm like, I didn't buy anything. I don't know what this is. Can you help me find out who it is? It took us like a month. I kept calling. I finally, like they gave me this phone number. And then they were like, finally, they were like, you have some account with a payment processor. 
and this is for fees. And, and so then it took me like many, many back and forth with both the people, both Jane and uh, Charm and Blue, Blue Finn and Pay Firma to find out what had happened, which is that I had been charged $400 for PCI non-compliance after I did all that to be- Oh my gosh. Sent me into overdraft. Oh, no. I um, was able to get my bank to reverse the charges, but I had to go in there, which, you know, talk about a business expense. I had to take time off. I had to pay for my babysitter so I could go sit for an hour at the bank and get these uh, fees reversed. I'm going to have to go back and close my account because I was so like, I had to leave. I actually didn't have time to close my account because I had to go back and pick up my kids. And, um, and I got pay firma. I was like, I am PCI compliant. I did everything. <laughs> I have done the things. <laughs> I am not non-compliant. And so they reversed the charges and refunded me. And to be honest, I'm like, I am, you don't have, I've never been asked to do that by Square Up or by Stripe or by credit cards. And I process a lot of online payments. So I'm like, that makes me very hesitant as a small business owner to take on responsibility for something. And I think it's that I didn't fully understand and that I didn't have a way to fit into my own business model. Yeah. Uh, whereas well, something like Stripe or Square Up or PayPal, um, when you're using the PayPal business account, those are all, they're lightweight. They are, I'm not being asked to do PCI compliance and I'm not going to have any hidden fees that are going to like, yeah. that was devastating. It was a lot of money. Yeah. yeah, a lot of money, a lot of time. And it's so important as a small business owner that, you know, really taking ownership of everything that you're doing financially and really investigating. It's it's a hard lesson to learn, but it's so important that you take a look at your bank statement regularly. I think, you know, now that everything's so electronic, we don't do that very often. We're like, oh, just cruising along, just watching the money come and watching the money go. But I mean, how often do you like watch through like each transaction, like what's going on, what's going on, but you really have to take charge of that. And I think that's where it comes in really handy. If you have the volume using like a bookkeeper or a CPA, because they're a second set of eyes that can be like, Hey, that's what happened. My bookkeeper is the one that caught the, the Shutterstock thing. She's like, are you still using this? Cause this is a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, no, in fact, I'm not using that. And thank you so much for flagging me on that. So I really, really think it's valuable to, um, if you're at a volume or maybe that's just not your strong point. Like if you don't do math, you don't do banks, you don't, you don't balance your own checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> then taking on a business and all the additional, you know, income and things that you're going to need to be looking at, you might need additional help for that. And I think it's worth your money to employ or have somebody help you out with that. If that's not something that you're really passionate or talented in, which is definitely the case in my part, <laughs> I is not my strong suit. And so I am happy to have somebody else because it helps me free up time to do what I am good at so I can make more money so that hiring the bookkeeper is not a big deal at all because I'm getting to do what I'm good at and spending more time in that means more income for the business as a whole. So don't be afraid to, to have those helpers in your, in your circle. And a good bookkeeper and a good CPA are going to be invested in you keeping as much of your money as possible so they yes. so that you can pay them and there are, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you might, you know, in, on the one hand, taxes are, they're like, you get paid, you pay taxes. How hard could it be? And the reality is there are a lot of options that you have for how you structure your business, yes. how you pay things, maybe even whether what whether a certain expense might actually help your bottom line. Right. Uh, so that is something that, you know, you're not going to read the tax code that changes every year that Gosh, no, you can't keep up with it, but a, a good CPA and a good bookkeeper are going to be able to make recommendations to you about those things that are going to save you money. Whereas you doing it yourself might not cost you money that you're paying by the hour to another person, but they could be costing you money from your bottom line. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's important as you move forward, maybe you're having some growth in your business, things are changing, to regularly check in with your CPA and say, hey, this has changed in my business. Am I still doing everything that would be the most beneficial to my business or for the way I'm doing taxes or those kind of things? Because as you grow, that can really change the way you structured your business when it was just maybe a sole, just you, versus how you structure your business if you've got lots of people working with you. So I think it really is important as you grow or as your business changes in any way that you're checking in, or if you bring on a new expense or a new big overhead, those CPAs are so good at figuring out like, you know what, that's, that's totally not going to work for you. Or have you thought about it doing it in this way that could help you with this tax break, you know, this tax break here or something like that. I think it's so important. And I have, um, lesson learned, um, had to check in more as we've had growth. And that's really been so helpful because there were things, I mean, it would have taken me months to research it and figure it out on my own where I can spend, you know, $150, spend an hour with the CPA and it's taken care of. And I didn't have to sweat at all. You know, it's just done. And I know all I need to know, and they're going to take care of it going forward. So really, really think of it as an investment in your bottom line. And that's how I feel my, personally about the money I spend on my biller for insurance. And yeah. sure, I could call the insurance company myself and have the same conversation right. 15 times a month where I say, hi, you put this <laughs> amount to cost sharing and you weren't supposed to, can you please reprocess the claim? And right. I was doing that. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like how hard is that? But when it came to, when I started to grow and had more insurance clients, and then I started to see like, I don't, I don't want to spend that time. I don't have that time to spend. I would much rather spend that time with clients and also knowing that what will, what will most likely happen is that I'm going to let some slip through the cracks because I didn't have time to call and that's leaving money on the floor. And so I pay my biller, you know, I write that check once a month with joy in my heart. (laughs) I know that the work he did for me recovered money that I would beyond what I paid him. Yeah. So, so if I hadn't way, been paying him, I would have had my time. I would have not been paying him, but I would have been spending time and I would not be recovering as much money. Right. And another thing that you can do if you're really hesitant from a financial perspective, thinking, well, I can't hire all these people. I can't do all that. Like I'm just starting out. I don't have money. But if you look at how your time's broken down, just like you're saying here. So if you were to look at how your time's broken down, say over a week or a month, and you spend, you know, three hours doing, um, billing 
tasks a week. And if you could then replace that, because that's time you're working, but if you could replace that with seeing an additional client and then look at, well, how much does it cost to do the biller and how much, you know, am I going to be bringing in more if I were to spend that time seeing a client? Usually you're going to make more money seeing the client, even if part of that money you just made is going to be going out to a biller or going out to um, a CPA or a bookkeeper. In the long run, if you really look at your time breakdowns, it can give you a lot of insight on on where you are um, able to actually make more money by hiring the help, especially if you are not like, that's not your, your forte. Now, if you are just like superstar bookkeeper and you can punch out those numbers and, you know, no time flat and it just resonates in your mind. And that's just like in your back pocket, then that might not be what you spend money on helpers, but there might be another area. Like I hate social media. I just drains my brain. I can't even handle it. Like that might be an area that you go out and hire help for because then you can add in another client in that time that you would have been spending doing that. And then you've got more income out of it. So there really is a way to think about where you're spending your money that can actually boost. You think, oh, money's going out, but it actually could mean more money's coming in. And that's like, as you're growing or especially when you're just starting out to say, okay, I want to add this thing, but should I add this thing? And just really kind of looking at the pros and cons, right? This is what it's going to do for me. This is what it's going to cost. Do I really need this right now? Is it going to make me more money right now? Um, Sometimes when things are slow, you can be tempted to start shopping around for systems. And then that's when you find yourself spending a million (laughs) dollars on stock photos. Um, and, And just to really check yourself and say, sometimes spending money is the way forward for your business. And sometimes spending money is uh, like putting a bandaid on a situation where you actually need to be kind of doing more marketing, like you talked about at the top of the episode. And I think this, you know, really comes down to the heart of, I think what every small business owner hopes and fears, which is (laughs) we hope that we're going to have these super successful businesses that are making us a ton of money that are, can be the sole source of income for us and all of our loved ones. And we're doing what we love and this fear that I'm going to have nothing. And, and I think that, and I, and I really don't want to minimize that fear because, um, it's, you know, there, there is a, a, it's terrifying being a small business owner. So like I've, always been a small business owner before I was a lactation consultant. I was doing other freelancing. My husband owns a company. My father was a small business owner from when I was a very little girl. Um, This is like in my DNA and in my blood. And my, my brother got a job, like a real job. And it's got like (laughs) benefits, insurance. He's got a plan. He has his taxes taken out. And there's part of me where I'm like, it just sounds really relaxing. (laughs) I'm telling you like in the, I guess like in my adult life, which I'm, you know, getting older every day, I've had many, many periods of time in my life where I have felt terrified, where I haven't slept, where I've cried out of fear for my family and what, how are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to pay our bills? And I, and we, I've got, we've gotten this question, Lee and I, a bunch of times from, from listeners, people want to know, how do you get health insurance if you're a small business owner? And the 
this is how you get health insurance. You pay a million dollars for it. Here right. in New York City, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you here's some financial real talk. My to, to for health insurance for a family of four with two small business owners, we have to pay eighteen hundred dollars a month for Ouch. the most garbage healthcare health oh, insurance yeah. on the market. If I wanted to have real health insurance that actually paid for things, I'd be spending more like three grand a month. That so, is insane. That is a non-negotiable. And my family has to have health insurance. We cannot afford to lose our health insurance, but that means we start every month behind. We start every month in the hole. And that's a, that's a terrifying place to be in. And we've had, we've had times where we've said, you know, we've gone into debt and we've had really scary moments. And so I don't, I don't want anybody to, you know, really be unaware of what that's like. And, um, that for some people, you know, some people it's harder, going to be harder than others. And we've got, you know, a lot of things wrong in this world that make it more hard for some people than others, which is, you know, horrible. And we're actually in the show notes, we're going to link to a couple of organizations that are um, doing great work to um, help with equity in the lactation sphere um, so that more people of color can become lactation consultants and reduce those barriers and overcome those barriers. And so I would encourage any of you to look into those organizations and give to them and promote them because they are doing great work. And um, it's hard. It's hard for all of us. And it's Absolutely. it's even harder for, for some certain people for some reasons that are just yeah, heartbreaking to think about. So, Absolutely. but on the flip side, you've heard both Leah and I talk during this episode about the growth we've experienced. And what, what does that feel like for you, Leah, as a small business owner to watch your business grow? I mean, it definitely provides me so much pride. And, and I have other people that work for me, I have a single mom that works for me. Um, and so just knowing that this company as it grows can help other families, it, it's just amazing. And I really have a sense of pride, but I also know that that didn't happen overnight. And I know a lot of people coming in to the business, maybe new are like, okay, well, how long is it going to take for me to be like, making this a living or making this enough to get this X amount of money or that X amount of money or be busier. And, and it really, with the type of work that we do, it is often, um, a climb, a climb up a mountain (laughs) and, and, you know, we're all on that climb together. And I love how you brought up the point about really helping others that you see in the community that you could be a support to them either through mentorship or, you know, pull them in as, um, part of your team so that other people can experience the growth, um, and be part of, um, you know, being able to be part of the small business in a way that can benefit everyone. But I really feel like there's this big thought out there, like, can you even like sustain as a lactation consultant um, can it really make you rich? <laughs> and I don't know that any of us are going to be like multi-millionaire lactation consultants. That's- I don't know, Leah, I'm sleeping on stacks of cash. Like, nope. <laughs> okay. I need to move to New York because clearly down here, we are not making millions, but I'm I do kidding. think, yeah. <laughs> um, I do think that, um, 
as seriously as you take your business and if you put into it, like kind of how we're talking about, you really can grow a sustainable business with sustainable income. There's definitely a climb to it. And I rarely see people come out of the shoot making this year one their career, but it is doable. And it's also got to think about, well, what does it mean to be rich to you? You know, I think that's so important too. Like, does, is it rich in life in that you're getting to do the work you love and have plenty of money to get, you know, your family, all that they need, their needs met. And, and that's amazing. Or is it like, no, I really want to make a million dollars. Um, and, and that can change your perspective on how you look at the work that you do as a lactation consultant. But, and I know that for both of us, cause we, you and I've talked about this so many times is that we are committed to our businesses and that I think both you and I enjoy running a business. We like learning how to make money. We like coming up with new ideas and ways to expand our businesses and grow our businesses. And that really fires us up, but it's not just about having a business. Like if, if it was just about having a business, then, you know, maybe go do something else. Like you're going to make a lot more money in real estate, at least right. <laughs> um, I'm told then, but you, but it's really like, I chose this work and I know you chose this work because we have this fundamental belief that more breastfeeding is going to make our world a better place. And then I'm like, so, so pie in the sky that I just, I'm like, and when breastfeeding makes the world a better place, we're all going to have our financial needs met. Right. The world's going to be run by a bunch of people who were breastfed as babies. And that's what I'm for. I'm I'm eating your pie in the sky right now. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And that's so, so true. So as we're wrapping up here today, I hope this financial, this was like financial real talk. We, that's what, that's what it is. Financial real talk. We're putting it, we're putting it out there in the real life, the real world, how it really is. As we wrap up today, I know you have an awesome tech tip for us. What you got? I do. So I want you to understand the difference between secure and encrypted. Uh, Both are essential costs of doing business. So when you have encrypted email, for example, that means that you've set it up so that only the recipient can get it. You put some locks into place so that only the person that you want the message to go to can get it. So it's like you've you know, tangled it up in, in, in secret codes. Once the recipient gets it and they open it, it's no longer encrypted. It's been opened. So that's not secure. It's encrypted. You've done everything you can on your end, but you don't have any control over what happens once the person that you send it to gets it. So think of it like an envelope. You put the address on the envelope, you seal it up, if you live in Game of Thrones world, you're going to put like the, the seal on it that nobody Ooh. can break from the king. Um, from the queen. Um, and then, but once it gets opened, what happens in Game of Thrones world, everybody's passing that note around and showing it to everybody. So you have no control over what the recipient does. The, so secure messaging means that you are inviting the recipient. So if I have a secure message with you, Leah, what I'm doing is I'm saying, we both have to step inside this room and we're going to close the door and no one can see or hear what we say. Once we leave that room, you and I can separately tell people what went on inside the room, but no one will actually have access to exactly what happened inside that room. So having secure messaging offers your clients a safe place, safe space 
to for their for their data for their for their clinical history you know all of those things if they need it but if they don't want secure messaging because it's an inconvenience it's an extra layer to have to sign into a portal to communicate with you and they they want to opt out at the very least your emails should be encrypted so that you know that on your end you're protecting the communications that you sent out um, as a way to protect your clients and our sponsor milk notes offers video care that is peer-to-peer encrypted streaming which means that the data stream goes from your device to the parent's device securely encrypted the whole way. So that wow. that parent on the other end could have somebody in the room watching with them that you don't have control over who's watching it with them. But what you do know is that from device to device, it's protected and it's encrypted and no one's gonna be able to hack in and have access to that conversation. That is so, so important. And I think this is kind of like, small business owners, there's all these other things that you have to learn about like this. This is probably something you went into lactation world. They're not talking about this, but as a small business owner, these are things that you have to know. And uh, this is such an important part. And I think um, very, very confusing for many of us. So I'm so thankful that you broke that down and it makes so much sense. So much sense. Well, Annie, it's been so fun talking to you today, even though I thought finances were going to be like yucky and no fun. We made it fun and we survived the financial talk. So you did it. And I, I felt I don't know. I feel good opening up this conversation because I know that um, we're we're all struggling with similar things, and we just would love to hear from you and what your business struggles are. And who knows, you might your question might make it on the podcast. Um, so if you like what you heard today from me and Leah, we encourage you to uh, go find our Facebook page, um, leave us a comment, share it with your friends, uh, leave us a review in iTunes because that really, really helps more lactation consultants find us. Thank you so much for listening. And Leah, I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.